Christ Church Kingwood is a Christ-centered church that seeks to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed by glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we worship together in the ministry of the word. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's pray together. Father God, it is good to gather as your people this morning to worship. God, I know it's not always easy to get here on Sunday mornings. It is stressful at times. Seems to be the prime time for kids to have blowouts and blow-ups. God, there are continual obstacles trying to keep us from gathering as your people to worship. So we are thankful that we are here, and God, we pray that you would calm the busyness of our minds and silence the distractions, and that your spirit would speak powerfully through your word, that your living and active word would consume our hearts and shape us ever more into the image of Jesus, to the praise of your glorious grace. Amen. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? So it's like I think it's a good weekend to go on vacation. I didn't get the memo. I guess trying to cram them in before school starts back. But it's good to be here. And today we are kicking off our new series looking at Paul's letter to the Philippian church, which is super exciting because we spent four or five months walking through Galatians. And I had to say circumcision more times than anyone wants to. And... It was kind of a downer at times, right? So in Philippians, it's super encouraging. Paul does not announce any divine curses. He doesn't call anyone bewitched fools. He's not astonished by their lack of faith. It is a super encouraging letter. And as we've done every time we've studied a letter from Scripture, we're going to approach it or begin by approaching it like they would have in the first century. That is, we are going to read through the letter in its entirety. Because while it's good to slow down and study smaller parts of Scripture, as we're going to do over the next few months, it's also encouraging to hear Paul's words spoken over us. Because while we believe these words were for a specific people and time and situation, they are also God's word. They are living and active, and God speaks to us through them by the work of the Spirit. So that's where we're going this morning. But before that, I, before we dive into the letter, I just want to give a little bit of context. And context? Context. That's good when you're about to read a whole letter. Context uh, and history um, just surrounding this letter in this church. And Paul, he planted this church during his first missionary journey, and, and we're going to talk about the details of that more next week. But what we're going to see next week in Acts 16 is this way that God kind of miraculously calls Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke out of 
the Middle Eastern setting that they had been ministering in, in Asia Minor, to travel to Macedonia, to what we would now call Europe. So, so they travel across the Aegean Sea into Macedonia, and the first city that they stop in is Philippi. So Paul preaches the gospel in Philippi, and the church begins to blossom, but he was only there a few weeks before things got unsafe, right? Pretty much anywhere Paul goes, there's trouble. This happened to be with casting out a demon from a slave girl, ends up in jail, but God uses it all awesomely, which we'll see next week. So after a few weeks, Paul leaves Luke behind in Philippi, and he heads to Thessalonica, Once again, he's only there for a few weeks before he's forced to flee again. But while he was there, the Philippian believers were already sending Paul material support, money, supplies, along with encouragement. At only a few weeks old, a church full of new converts, this church is already on board with the gospel mission and taking part in Paul's ministry. And so from there, Paul travels to Berea and Athens and finally lands in Corinth where he'd spend a full eight months and he would receive more assistance from the Philippian believers. Then fast forward about a year, Paul heads out on his third missionary journey. And and one of the main reasons he was on this journey was to raise money among the Gentile churches to take back to Jerusalem and Judea to support the Jewish churches who were in great financial need. It was a mission of love, but it was also an attempt to show that the Gentile churches were all in when it comes to the gospel mission. Because there was still a lot of tension between the Gentiles and Jews, a lot of confusion, all the drama that we talked about in Galatians, all the influence of the Judaizers was still very much spreading. And so Paul wanted this act of love to help unite the church. And so Paul traveled through Macedonia collecting support. But when he came to Philippi, he didn't even intend on asking them to help. He wasn't going to ask the Philippian church for anything. They were in a really rough financial spot of their own, and they had already supported Paul so much. But when they heard about the needs of the church in Jerusalem and Judea, they insisted on supporting them, even out of their poverty. Paul even talks about the Philippians' generosity when he's writing to the church in Corinth. He says, In 2 Corinthians 8, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints." You can see why Paul loved these people. He says in the next verse in 2 Corinthians, they gave of themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. See, they quite literally poured themselves out for the ministry of the gospel. So Paul eventually finished his campaign and took the money to Jerusalem. And then guess what? People are mad at him again. 
Some of the Jews who opposed Paul conspired and they put him in prison. They had him imprisoned. And he was imprisoned in Caesarea for two years before appealing to Caesar, being transported to Rome. And when the Philippians heard that he was imprisoned in Rome, they insisted on supporting him once again. So they raised a large sum of money and sent it with Epaphroditus to deliver to Paul, to care for Paul, to let him know he's not alone emotionally and spiritually. That's why they sent the friend, but also to cover his needs. And it was from here, Roman incarceration, that Paul wrote this letter. And so I want to walk through, or wanted to walk through this brief history to show how deeply invested these Philippian believers were in Paul's ministry. It wasn't a perfect church. They had financial struggles. They had leadership struggles. They had danger all around opposing them. But their love for Paul and their love for the gospel was strong. And Paul's love for them is reflected in this deeply encouraging letter, as Paul calls them to continue in their faithfulness, to experience the joy of a life laid down for Jesus Christ and for the advancement of the gospel. So, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve of what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold in speaking the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, 
Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death." even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, 
For it is God who works in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all. And has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him. Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained it, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly 
that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again, once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as you spoke through Paul the beginning of this letter, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God, this is a promise. You have ransomed us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. You have pronounced us as righteous in Christ. And you are at this very moment sanctifying us through him. Father God, we ask that you would increase our faith. That you would make us a people who take seriously the pursuit of righteousness as we come alongside the Spirit's work in our hearts, knowing that when Christ returns, we will be perfectly sanctified. We will be with you for eternity. Amen. Praise God from Thank you for worshiping with us through the preaching of God's Word. We exist to glorify God by making disciples. We would love to have you join us in person as we gather together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Covenant Preparatory School on Hamblin Road in Kingwood, Texas. To learn more about Christ Church Kingwood, visit our website at ChristChurchKingwood.org. Amen.